Hello there, my friends. Liz Wheeler here. I have some bonus content for you today because you are always asking for more, and I want to deliver on that. So what I have for you today is me, but it's in a slightly different scenario than you usually see me. You usually see me hosting the show, giving my opinion. But this, today, instead of me hosting, this is me on the Kim Iverson show. This was a very fun appearance that I made on Kim's show because Kim and I don't agree on some really, really important things. So we got a chance to debate them and discuss them. And she challenged me on some really, I think, fascinating topics. I hope you enjoy this. This is the Kim Iverson Show. Well, there's been a big debate about uh, what is going on with America's kids. Some people think there is an existential crisis happening. Others believe there is nothing there. This is just a another a sort of culture war that is happening. Well, with us now is Liz Wheeler. She's the host of The Liz Wheeler Show and author of the upcoming book, Hide Your Children, Exposing the Marxists Behind the Attack on America's Kids. Liz, welcome to the show. And it's also your birthday. So happy birthday. <laughs> Thanks for being here. It is. Thank you on both accounts. I appreciate you, you having should, me. You should be out celebrating and eating cake and drinking drinks or <laughs> something along those. But instead, you're here with I me celebrating. I gotta tell you, right so. before, <laughs> right before we came on air, I just came. My husband took me out to lunch to my favorite Mexican restaurant. Oh, so we did a little celebrating, a little work. It's all. It's all a good day. Oh, good, good. Well, um, and, and today is also the day that you announced that your new book is coming out, Hide Your Children, um, Exposing the Marxists Behind the Attack on America's Kids. Did you plan, before we get into the content of this, because I think this is going to be a good discussion, but did you plan to have it announced today on your birthday? Was that like, a, or was that just coincidental? I would say half and half. We did. We wanted to <laughs> announce it this week, and when we were discussing which day this week, I was like, "Well, it would be fun to announce it on my birthday, right?" Okay. It would be. It would be a fun little additional thing. I mean, there's a little strategic element to it too. You know, there's a little interaction on social media, a little more on your birthday. But it, it was kind of just a fun element. I thought it would be fun to to announce it on my birthday. Okay, so let's get into this then. Hide your children. What is what is it that you think is happening? in today that wasn't happening maybe 20 years ago? Yeah, so I think as a parent, I have a two and a half year old, and this is true for a lot of parents, we see the cultural impact that our institutions, institutions that we've previously trusted, specifically the education system or Hollywood, is having on our children right now. We see the critical race theory that is being shoved down our children's throats. And this is something that people didn't notice until they observed it themselves on Zoom school during the COVID lockdowns. We see this incredibly exponential rise in young people identifying as LGBTQIA, transgender ideologies becoming very prevalent. And parents, and this is true of people on both the left and the right, parents look at this and they think, I don't, I don't think this is right. I don't think it's, I don't think it's moral and it's good for my white child to be called a racist because of the color of their skin or my black child to be called oppressed because of the color of their skin. They look at the transgender ideology and they think, well, this is not science. It's there, there's DNA and there's brain and there's anatomy that goes into biological sex. And yet kindergartners and preschoolers are being told that they can choose what they want to be, that it doesn't have anything to do with reality. It's just about identity. A lot of parents in this country feel that children are under assault. And this is, this is not new, Kim. I mean, one of the things I learned when I was researching this book is we, we've been under sustained assault. The family unit has been under sustained assault in our country for nearly a century. I mean, the Marxists, and I will get into talking about the definition of Marxists and who these people are, 
but the Marxists or the radical left have spent the last century subverting, trying to re-engineer our society. They've co-opted and captured four of the five major foundational cultural institutions, our education system, the media, religion, the law, and they've now set their sights on the family. They've successfully subverted many of the elements of the family, men and women and marriage and sex. And the last remaining element is children, which explains why they're coming after our children so much. Conservatives were really really neglected to recognize this strategy as it as these Marxists infiltrated our institutions. But what I do in, in the book is I name the names of the people behind the capture of our institutions, behind the assault on our children, so that we understand the reality of the political enemy that we're facing. And I'm not talking about Republican versus Democrat political enemy. I'm talking about the ideological enemy of our country that truly wants the downfall of the United States. We do have to save our children for the sake of their individual souls. I feel strongly about that as a parent. But if we allow the left to capture our children as a nation, we're done. Okay, so let's start off with the capture of these different, um, these entities that you just mentioned. So you say education, media, law, and religion. I, I can certainly see where, you know, I see where you're coming from for sure. I can understand where people feel like the education system has moved really far left. Religion even, even I think maybe, you know, where do you think that religion has moved left? In what way would you say that that's been captured? Well, I think some of the studies were so eye-opening as I was writing the chapter on religion in this book that only 30% of young people, this is Generation Z and millennials, so basically young people all the way up to 40-year-olds, only three out of 10 American young people believe in the God of the Bible. Three out of okay. 10. This is a dramatic decrease in the number of people who not only believe in the God of the Bible, but then we have these different, these different organizations. We have the Catholic Church, we have the traditional Protestant churches, we have the evangelical churches that have been infiltrated with, with wokeness. I mean, we have the prosperity gospel in some of these evangelical churches. We have social justice um, that's infiltrated the Catholic Church. Very leftist, neo-Marxist ideologies that have hijacked the church intentionally. I trace it all the way back to the beginning. I mean, back to some of these original Marxists that said, religion, destabilizing religion is the way to destabilize a society. And I, th I think we're living that. We're experiencing the chaos that that begets. Okay. So I, so I understand what you're saying about religion. I agree a lot more, a lot fewer young people are believing in religion or going to church than back when, it, back when I was a kid or when my dad was a kid. Um, education for sure, I think has moved left. I think people can see that the media for sure we know has, I mean, we, we don't have really an unbiased media anymore. They're definitely um, spouting basically liberals, what liberals want to have said for sure. Um, and the legal field, well, we, we've been watching the hearings with the FBI and this idea that they're allowing, you know, that they're really acting as henchmen with the, for the Joe Biden administration, or, um, you know, we've also seen the military. There's a lot of chatter about different ideas that are seeping in. So I, I get your point on that, but prior to them being captured or moved to the left, they were really far right. So is this maybe a balancing that's happening? Because in my viewpoint, when I was a kid growing up in Idaho, and I was very religious for a really long time, um, everything was, these things were really more right-wing. I mean, they were very, even in schools, I, to get left, any sort of more liberal ideology to be taught in schools was not something that was happening. It was still very conservative. They were still having conversations about whether or not to teach kids 
uh, about evolution. You know, there was these types of, I know I'm really dating myself <laughs> on age a little bit there, but so so what do you say to that? I mean, was is it possible that maybe everything was really far right and now it's kind of moving more center um, in some cases and that's just kind of like shocking for maybe conservatives to see? Well, in the case of the law, I think no. Because the law, the fundamental idea of our legal system or of our criminal justice system is that every person is equal under the law, right? Regardless of your sex, regardless of your age, regardless of your race, regardless of your socioeconomic status, whatever, these immutable characteristics, everyone, um, the law applies to everyone equally. That's, that's the fundamental basis of our legal system. But you take what's happened in recent years, and I'm not even talking about the targeting that's happened to Donald Trump. I think most, most good faith people believe that that is political targeting. I'm talking about the movement um, against our legal system from people like the Black Lives Matter movement, the defund the police, the abolish the prisons movement. I mean, we have members of Congress who are on board with that very radical leftist policy. And it's not just this vague radical leftist policy. The founders of the Black Lives Matter movement, the goal of what they're trying to do is to transform the United States into a Marxist nation. I don't say this making some inference. I mean, Patrice Cooler said Alicia Garza, she and Alicia Garza are trained Marxists. They want to abolish the nuclear family. They want to not send criminals to prison. I mean, the, the goal of what these people want is not just injecting a little neutrality or centrism into our law. They actually want to destabilize the whole system. The same thing with education, actually. This is one of my favorite points that I make in the, in, in, in the entire book, is that our, our education system was never intended to be neutral. It, it, education is by nature indoctrination, and that's okay. I know a lot of parents say, oh, we shouldn't have the education system be indoctrinated youth. No, we should have the education system indoctrinate youth. That's actually what it was created to do in this nation, all the way back from the time before we had compulsory public education, when we had Thomas Jefferson in charge of the first public university in our country, these men who set up our education system wanted our education system to teach children American civics because we were a new nation. People came from their home country. This was their second country. They wanted to teach children to be American. And then you fast forward to the 1850s, the first compulsory public education law passed in the 1850s in Massachusetts. And the reason that it passed is because there were a lot of Catholic immigrants that were coming into the nation. And the people that were in charge, the public officials and politicians, not only wanted to teach these children American civics because they were coming from other countries, they wanted to teach them Protestant values. This was the basis of our education system. Now, we simply forgot the basis of our education system once we became comfortable like, oh yeah, maybe it's about reading, writing, arithmetic. Well, not really, that's not what it was created to do. It was created to indoctrinate. It was just created to indoctrinate with good values and we let the left hijack it. Shouldn't we also teach them reading, writing, and arithmetic though? <laughs> I mean, isn't that what education should also be about if we're gonna be competing on the global stage? I'm curious when you say that, when you know, I, I understand your point saying, well, we should be teaching children to be American. Do you say the same thing just out of curiosity about the Chinese? Because this is one of the criticisms that people that are conservative criticize China about, about their uh, taking Uyghurs, for example, and teaching them Mandarin Chinese. And they say, wow, you know, how dare you actually eradicate, you know, tell Uyghurs that when they go to school, they can't learn their Uyghur language. They instead need to speak Chinese and that they're being told that they're Chinese. This is an assault. This is terrible. I mean, where do you stand on that just out of curiosity? 
Well, I think there's a couple of points. First of all, it's it's not just that the Chinese Communist Party is teaching the Uyghurs Mandarin. It's that they are forcing abortions on women. They are gang raping them. They're harvesting organs from live people. They're putting them in concentration camps. They are killing them. That's obviously evil no matter what your standard of morality is. So I don't think that that's a particularly fair comparison to just teaching children in the United States American civics. The other part of this, and this is this is where the Republican Party, I think, has gotten off track, is it's not only permissible, it's, it's something I would challenge Republicans to embrace, to actually ask the question, what is the definition of right? What is the definition of wrong? What is the definition of morality? What is the definition of justice? Because the Chinese Communist Party is, in, is embracing definitions that are bad. They are inherently immoral. Communism, as we know, is oppressive. It is, it is antithetical to human nature. It contradicts natural law. Our country, the United States of America, our constitution was based on English law. English law is based on natural law. We've gotten to a point in our country where it's very uncomfortable to talk about, oh, well, what is natural law? Is this something that has a religious basis? Is this Judeo-Christian in nature? And the answer to that is, yes, of course it is. Of course it is. Our, our idea of right and wrong and morality and justice is based on a Judeo-Christian worldview. It doesn't mean we live in a theocracy. It doesn't mean that you have to be a practicing Christian or a practicing Jew to agree with what our morality is. But what remains is the reality that our nation and our laws, our society is based around natural law, which is an inherently Judeo-Christian value system. So no, it's not exactly the same thing for the Chinese communists to force their children to uh, practice and live according to their beliefs when their beliefs are inherently evil. When we do it, our beliefs are inherently good. So it's, it's okay. It's, it's like I said before, there's no neutrality in education. It's just a matter of whether the evil people are going to be teaching what's evil or the good people are going to be teaching what's good. I advocate that the Republican Party, conservatives and parents across the country reclaim that so we can actually raise a generation of children who know real right from real wrong. So you're saying that like Buddhism, you believe is is evil and and wrong, and that Chinese people should be converted to Christianity and adopt Christian principles rather than Buddhist principles. Well, do you consider communism to be Buddhist? Well, it has a lot of it, yeah. It it does definitely take some elements from Buddhism, which is why you know how it developed. So it's, it definitely is, I, I don't think that capitalism is Christian either. I mean, I wouldn't say capitalism is Christian and communism is Buddhist, but I could say that there are definitely elements of communism that were taken from Buddhism. I'm not sure if I could say that about capitalism and, and Christianity, to be, to be honest with you. And I've read the Bible 11 times. So I don't know if I could actually <laughs> say, uh, I was Mormon for a very long time. So just so you know, my background is that I was I was very, very religious, went to church every Sunday, went to, went to seminary every single day. So I'm very versed in scripture. But I, I, I don't think that I could ever say that I could equate any scriptures to capitalism or to, you know, the, the way that we've shaped our government, per se, in America. I, I, I just would divorce the two based on my personal experience. But, you know, I so you're but I see your right. point. Well, I, here's what I would say. Here's what I would ahead. say, if you if you would pardon the interruption, is that free market capitalism, I agree with you. It's not something that was necessarily begot of the Bible, right? I'm not advocating for a theocracy, but it brings the question to mind that I think conservatives and Republicans, Democrats, independents, just thinking people should ask themselves. And that is, if our nation is supposed to be based on the idea of freedom, if we are a free people, if we embrace liberty, what is that? What is the definition of liberty? What does that mean? Is liberty the ultimate end or is liberty the means to something greater? 
And I would argue that the Republican Party has embraced the false idea that liberty is moral in and of itself, that that is the ultimate morality. Whereas I advocate for a view that says, no, freedom and liberty enable us to reach further. It is the means to something greater. And that's where I would place the free market economy and capitalism. The free market economy and capitalism protect your rights and my right and everybody watching this to make choices to pursue a virtuous life. They enable us to have, the free market economy enables us to have free speech, to choose the God that we wanna worship, to raise our children how we want, to engage in contracts with other people, to make decisions about our charity and what we wanna do with our money. All of these things that allow us to be Christians if we so choose to be Christians, you can still choose in our society not to be. Like I said, we're not a theocracy, I'm not advocating for that, but, I, it's inarguable that our constitution was built around these principles that freedom is not the ultimate end, but the means to something greater. So out of curiosity, what do you, when you say Marxists are behind this, what do you think, you know, in my, from my understanding, Marxism is more of a, you know, a, a, a like an economic structure. So what is it, how would Marxism go and infiltrate into these more culture you know, religion, media, law, education, how, wh where does that, where are you getting that from? Yeah, so I think we should define Marxism first. So Marxism is, or at least it was in the Communist Manifesto written by Karl Marx. It's an economic system that pits the ruling class against the working class, advocates for the working class who are supposed to be oppressed to overthrow the ruling class and thus to usher in communism. That's that's the traditional textbook definition of Marxism. Well, mm -hmm. then we had, and it kind of died out, right? It didn't really work that well. I mean, it was, it was tried a few times, but it never became the global revolution that the original Marxists wanted. And it kind of died out. But then we have a Marxist by the name of Antonio Gramsci who revived 20th century Marxism that was dying out in, and, and transformed it into 21st century Marxism. And his idea was that the working class would never actually stage a revolution against the ruling class as long as the working class relied on the cultural institutions of the ruling class. So Gramsci proposed that they first try to subvert the civil institutions on which the working class rely in order to then to then prompt them to uh, to revolt against the ruling class. And he named these these institutions that I named at the beginning of the segment. He named the media, education, religion, the law and family as these five major cultural institutions. And that's what we see happening right now. We see these five institutions, these cultural institutions on which our nation relies. You and I both agree on that, I'm sure. We yeah. see them under sustained assault. And take the education system, for example. The education system is, is very different than it was when you and I were children. The experience is completely different for youngsters in America now. It's been infiltrated by wokeness. Now, Maybe we should stop and say, okay, well, what is woke? What is this idea of wokeness? Woke actually is traced back to a Brazilian Marxist named Paulo Freire, who said that children shouldn't be taught knowledge. They shouldn't be taught facts because he said there's no such thing as objective truth. What we think of as facts and truth is just the prevailing political narrative. So he said children instead should be taught critical consciousness to look at the world through the lens of the oppressor versus oppressed, the Marxist dialectic. That critical consciousness is woke is wokeness. He he invented that concept and it is it exists today in our education system under the name woke. The the it's kind of hard to believe sometimes, right? It's hard to believe that actual Marxists have infiltrated and subverted these institutions. But it was also hard for a lot of people to believe that critical race theory was in their children's school until they saw it with their own eyes. Right, right. 
No, I, I agree that th there's definitely a, a shift in the thinking. I just, I guess where I'm curious, how did these people then, these Marxists that you're pointing out, and you bring up really great points, how did they then infiltrate? Because I, I just can't imagine the person at the top of the New York Times, you know, <laughs> I, sitting there reading like this Marxist and saying, well, I've got to, I've got to now... Uh, impart this ideology somehow, some way in my publication. You know, I don't know if people at the head of the school, you know, the, the Department of Education or law enforcement or religious organizations, they're not reading these books and then saying, I've now been, you know, brainwashed and now I'm going to go in and, and, you know, implement this all across. So clearly this got in in more subtle ways, I would imagine. I mean, that's my, that's my guess is that it was much more subtle how they were able to infiltrate rather than just being direct. So how do you think something, an idea that is, I mean, really fringe, I mean, quite honestly, because liberals, Democrats in this country are not Marxists. Democrats in this country are capitalists. So, you know, even Elizabeth Warren has said, I'm a capitalist. I mean, she's said this in her political campaign. It actually turned off quite a few of the more extreme leftists when she was running for president. So most people in this country, left and right, are capitalists fundamentally. So how did this more fringe ideology, do you think, get its its way into the to where it's now infiltrating to the level that we're potentially seeing? Yeah, and you bring up a really good point because it's, I agree 100%. The vast majority of people, voters in this country, are of course not Marxists. They're not, they're not communists. They're not evil people. They've, a, a percentage of them have perhaps been duped by these ideas that were repackaged, rebrand, words that have been redefined. But there's two ways that, that the, the infiltration or the capture of these institutions happened. The first thing that happened is there was a very famous school of Marxists in Frankfurt, Germany called the Frankfurt School. And during during the the during Adolf Hitler's rise to power, since they were of Jewish descent, they fled the country and they fled to Columbia Teachers College here in the United States. They they set up camp here in the United States and they disseminated their Marxist ideas to teachers across the country. So we've been talking for a long time about how universities have been corrupted by leftist ideas. They're turning out liberals. Well, yes, they are, because these teachers have been trained you, under the Marxist ideology of the actual Marxists that came over here and, and, and set up shop in Columbia's te Columbia Teachers College. That's the first thing. The second thing, and this may come as a surprise to some people watching this, a lot of the people behind the organizations I gave an example of Black Lives Matter earlier, actually are reading the, the books on Marxism. I had a debate with Dr. Mark Lamont Hill on his show uh, a year and a half or so ago, and we were talking about critical race theory. I was saying, well, critical race theory is Marxist. It's a descendant of critical theory, which is also from the Frankfurt School. And the woman, Kimberly Crenshaw, who coined the phrase critical race theory, admits that she's a Marxist. She actually admits that she is a Marxist. She said, we are critical theorists, that's a Marxist theory, who do race. And Mark Lamont Hill asked me, he's like, well, what kind of knowledge do you have about Marxists? And I named all the Marxists that I'd studied because this is one of my areas of expertise. And he agreed. He's like, yeah, I've read all of those people too. And then he said, I think they bring some good ideas to the table, even as he denied being a Marxist himself. So the ideas of Marxism infect people who are exposed to them, infect these institutions. And yes, a lot of people, voters, parents, aren't themselves Marxists. Even people who propagate wokeness might not be aware of what they're propagating, but the ideas are the same. They've just been rebranded. Hmm. Um, I mean, you bring up a really, you're clearly very knowledgeable on this subject and you've definitely done your research. Um, I just have one last question for you. And that is, before we go, is um, what do you propose that parents then do about this? I mean, should, 
I, I'm definitely an advocate for free speech. I don't think that we should be banning books, that we should be banning ideas, that we should be banning people from wanting to teach their children what they want to teach their children or read the news that they want to read or practice the religion that they want to practice. So what would you suggest? Are you just wanting to raise awareness of it or do you actually wanting there to be some sort of end game for this? No, the second half of my book is a blueprint for how I think that we can save our nation. I didn't want to write just a depressing, here's all the evil people that are coming to get your kids. I wanted to say, okay, now that you understand the reality of what we're facing here, we can adequately fight back against it. So chapter 12 of my book, and my editor told me it was intimidating even for a president of the United States, let alone apparent, but it's, it's a blueprint. People are hungry for solutions. It's a blueprint of what we can do, not just in our personal lives, not just as parents, not just as individuals, not just as church-going Americans, but it's a blueprint of how we can and should use the just powers of government to properly order our society. Because as it was intended, our society is not a libertarian society. It's not a live and let live society. It is a society where we acknowledge natural law. We acknowledge good from bad, right from wrong, evil from morality. And we ought to use the just powers of government to enforce that when there are Marxist forces that are trying to undermine it. So um, it's, 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 a, it's a laundry list in chapter 12 of 12 things that we can do to take back our country. And you can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or you can go to hideyourchildrenbook.com to get your copy today. I'm really excited to see what people think of it. Yeah, well, it's not coming out for a while though, right? You've got until September, middle or end of September before the book comes out, but people can pre-order it. Is that what you're saying? Because it's not available Yeah, just people yet, can right? pre-order it now. Okay. We only... We announced it today because it's actually one of my pet peeves when people announce their book. And I'm like, oh, it's eight months in advance. I don't want to read it next year. <laughs> so we waited till the last second to, okay. to announce it. So you pre-order it now. You'll get it in your mailbox in just a few weeks. All right, Liz, thank you so much for joining us. And happy birthday again. And congrats on the release of your new book. Very exciting. So uh, I, ho I hope you celebrate some more tonight now that you're hopefully done working. <laughs> thank you for being here. Thank you, Kim. I appreciate it.